Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so um, it's good to see you guys again. Uh, what has it been, like three months? Something like that, two months maybe? Um, a lot has happened since then. Um, I've been thinking about you guys a lot, seeing how, you know, wondering how things went after the conference. And I know that there are times when we can hear the word of God and we can feel really empowered. And, you know, you just say to yourself after church or after a meeting, I'm going to do the right thing. And then somewhere, like in maybe a couple of weeks or, you know, other things happen, where you find yourself just not doing what you thought you would. So, you know, we're going to go over that today. We're going to talk about some of the things that could be a problem for us. You know, I do understand that you guys are in many ways young, and I know that there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of things that you want and that you desire in your life. And I know that that's something as far as ministry is concerned that we'll just have to deal with, because I talk to the youth in our ministry the same way. There are some things where you're gonna find yourself just being young because you're young, and you're going to live life the way that you feel. But I will say to you guys that the, the more understanding you have of why you're alive, the purpose of why you're truly here, regardless of what the world tries to tell you or show you, is more important than anything, okay? Because I know that we do a lot in life. I know we go to school. We learn what we can learn. We do what we can do. You know, many of us, we get older, we'll get married, we'll have families, but... The only true purpose that we're alive is that we might find Jesus Christ and be full of his spirit and be transformed into his image. Now, is that an easy thing? No, it it can be difficult at times, but it's also something that we have to endure and that we have to grow with, okay? And the reason why I find messages like this exciting, but then they're also in many ways heartbreaking is because I know that when I was coming up in the church, that what we were taught is, you know, our pastors preached fire and brimstone. They believed that if you did not serve the Lord and do what the Lord says, that you would go to hell, you know? And they weren't lying about it, but the thing is, is that I think now, in many cases, you hear a lot of soft soap gospel. You hear a lot of, you know, let's just show love. Let's not talk about the things that Jesus says and a lot of people are conditioned to that now you know they feel like that's the only way to really present the gospel yes we do present the gospel in love but it is important to know that you know we have a real enemy out there and I know we talked about it before we had little glimpses of it where you know we uh, you guys ask questions about things and the spirit realm and stuff like that but The reason why I'm not going to hold back on anybody here today is because, one, I love you. One, I know what the gospel says in Jesus Christ. And uh, two, 
that the enemy is not waiting for you guys to grow up. He's pushing a lot of things through your music. He's pushing a lot of things through, you know, just entertainment, period. And, you know, I just see a lot of souls being lost. I work in the education system where, I mean, man, some of the things that these kids do, because it's special education, I wouldn't have dreamed of doing even now, you know, at, at the age of 42. Okay, so it's important that we understand that things are getting progressively worse, okay? They're not getting better. I mean, you can just hear it. I mean, even when you listen to people like, you know, a lot of your heroes and things, Nicki Minaj and this one and that one, I mean, it's just such filth that you guys hear on the airwaves. There's just so much that people are influenced by today, and they're really falling apart. And I know that it's only a matter of time before, if it hasn't leaned on you guys yet, that it will. There's lots of influences out there, things that will teach you things so different than what your parents taught you and how you were to grow up knowing Christ. So I want everyone to have an understanding here that the only purpose of this world right now is to turn you away from Jesus Christ. I don't care what we talk about concerning school and evolution. I don't care what we talk about concerning, you know, a lot of false Christian teachings. You know, no matter where you take it, there's always something to try and keep you from serving Jesus. Okay, so we, I, I just want to approach it from that standpoint first, because I want you guys to really understand that your souls are at stake. But we are going to go over what the issue might be for us in growing, because... You know, there are things that the Bible tells us to flee from so that we might grow. So I do want to get started. I want to go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 1. This is 2 Timothy 2 and 1. All right. And it says, everyone there? All right. And it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, you know, when Paul is talking to his apprentice, Timothy, here, he's telling him to be strong in the grace. Grace is another thing that we're going to talk about today because... You know, it can be something that's overlooked. It can be something that we can say, well, I know that I'm in grace and I know that Jesus forgives and he does this and that. But do we really understand what it is to have grace? You know, grace is something that you get that you, you know, don't deserve. Okay, mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. So it is important that we understand grace because Man, there's just so much. Uh, let me just continue right now, and we'll get right into it. So it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So one responsibility for us to be believers is, one, to learn what God wants us to do. Okay? Learn of his word that we might teach it to others. I think why a lot of people have trouble serving the Lord is because a lot of people don't know the scriptures. They don't know the Bible, you know, and it is important that we understand this word so that we might know how to live. 
And this can happen on the, on the lowest of levels. I mean, the earlier you get into this book and the more you learn, the better off you are. And having your mind transformed to think like Jesus and not like the world, okay? So it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who is Jesus, who has chosen him to be a soldier. So you see, even with Paul talking to his apprentice Timothy here, he's telling Timothy, okay, if you're going to be a minister, if you're going to go into this, if you're going to really know the ways of God, that you have to learn in many ways how to endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. So when you hear the word soldier, that sounds like we're at war. That sounds like there are two imposing forces that are going against one another. And what Jesus Christ is looking for is disciplined soldiers, those who will obey. Okay, so this is so important that we learn to endure hardness. Now, some people will say, well, what kind of hardness can I face in my life? Well, you can learn how to be the odd man out. You can learn how to be the only one that believes in the midst of kids or students or, or, or friends of yours that don't believe, okay? Because one of the biggest problems you guys are going to have is peer pressure if you haven't suffered it already. You guys are seeing things in schools. You know, you see the homosexuality agenda going on, and you see the students are getting younger and younger. And then you're hearing maybe in many cases from some of your teachers that this is okay. Well, the Bible says that it's not okay. But, you know, how many of us are going to be brave enough to actually say, well, you know what, I know what they're pushing, but I know that I believe Jesus. And many days when you serve the Lord, you are going to be a minority. You're not going to be liked by a bunch of people. You're going to be singled out. And people are going to say, you know what, you're square. You don't understand. You don't know what's going on. This is what we're about. So enduring hardness, one of the examples of this is learning to walk with Jesus. Learning that, you know what, no matter who doesn't go for it, I'm going to stand for that which is right. Okay, and it takes courage, it takes faith, it takes um, standing for the truth to recognize that you're going to be singled out. But that is the life of a Christian. Okay, and I'm not trying to push too much on you guys ahead of time. You know, it's just something that I'm recognizing that the devil is not waiting on you guys to grow up. He's trying to condition you guys right here, right now, trying to get you into the, the most filth and stuff that's out there to keep you from serving Jesus. That's the real purpose behind this. So he says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So in order to strive for this crown, which the Bible promises everyone in here, that believes in Jesus Christ, a crown of glory, something that God can give you that no one can take from you, that we ought to strive rightfully, lawfully. So it says, the husbandman uh, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. So what we have to understand here, too, is to learn how to walk with Jesus, to learn to have a relationship with him. There are five things that I follow. There might be more. But what's helped my relationship with Jesus Christ, one, is having a life of prayer. Okay? You can talk to Jesus Christ just how you can talk to anybody else that you know. He is that real. You can discuss your day with him. You can 
discuss how your friends are treating you, how you're having difficulty maybe in school or even within your family. You can talk to Jesus Christ, you know, and get in the habit of it. Tell him the smallest details, things that are going on, so that you develop speaking to him, okay? So one is a life of prayer. Two is reading the word of God, okay? Because this is one of the ways that we get to know Jesus. We get into his word. We understand what he wants. And just like any other relationship out there, you know, you can be able to think like he thinks. You'll get to know that that's him. You'll get to know his ways, okay, and what his desires are. The third is evangelism, okay? When we know about Jesus Christ, you can um, speak to other people about him. You know, he's that real. That's one of the responsibilities of believers is that we might evangelize. We may tell people about this Jesus. Now, I know that's going to come with time because in most cases, we will not proclaim, we will not say anything that we don't fully believe. Okay, so that comes with growth. Two is offerings. You know, if you might have something that someone else doesn't, you can, you know, give to people. Learn to give. More to, it's better to give than to receive. And I'm not saying it has to be anything big. It can be a phone call. It can be anything that, that shows in many ways, love for your brother. Okay, and lastly, it um, I believe the the, four, the fifth is praise and worship. Okay, learn to praise and worship God. This also comes with time. But sometimes when you can be having a rough day, you know, put on one of your favorite gospel songs. And I know at you guys' age, there aren't too many songs that are that are interesting, but these things come with growth. They come with time. You know, write these things down that you might practice them throughout your life. So, Can you say those again? The, I missed a couple. Okay, praise and worship is one. Uh, prayer is two. Uh, reading the word of God is three. Evangelism is four. And giving offering to those. Like you might see someone homeless that maybe needs something to eat, something that you might have. These are things that you practice in order to, um, and this is what I do, okay? I'm not pushing laws on anyone here, but... It's helped improve my relationship with the Lord is by understanding his word, communing with him, you know, and, and doing what he says to do. So when it says that the husbandman that laboreth must be partaker of the fruits, the fruits that he's talking about is love. Okay, that's something that you get from the spirit of God. Joy is something that's a fruit of the spirit that God gives us that we have in praise and worship. Peace. That's a thing that we have when we commune with the Lord, okay? So it's love, joy, peace, excuse me, long-suffering. Now, I might have mentioned what some of the long-suffering is, knowing what it is to stand for the Lord, knowing what it is to walk on your own if you have to. Because if any of your friends don't want anything to do with you because you believe in Jesus, they're not your friend anyway, okay? It was only a matter of time before that relationship separated. Okay, if they, the way that they feel about your God ought to tell you what side of things they are on. So it's good to evangelize. It's good to talk to people about the Lord. So it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, and temperance. Okay, the Bible says for such there is no law. So these are things that we can do freely, and these are ways that God expresses himself through us. Because you can have peace in the midst of war. 
You can have joy in the midst of sorrow. That's something that only the Spirit of God can give you. You can't get that from the world. The world gives you happiness, and it may give you some calm, and it gives you some quiet. But then when something comes into your circle to disturb you, you know, then all of a sudden that calm is gone. So peace God gives us that we can have no matter what. So these are fruit of the Spirit that we get from knowing the Lord. So then he says, uh, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So what Paul is explaining here is throughout his life, he suffered um, great as an evildoer. Now, Paul was a good man. We know this. But because he decided to preach Jesus and stand for Jesus, he had all sorts of trouble. Okay? He was thrown in prison. He had things happen to him. You know, people distanced themselves from him. He was persecuted. So we understand that Paul, um, you know, these are some of the things that he suffered. So he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So you guys have ministers, you have pastors, you have teachers, you have people that come to you every day and all the time to tell you guys how to live for Christ. And i got to be honest with you, it's not an easy thing to stand before people and tear down their heroes, tear down the things that they love in the world because... We don't do this because we want you guys to be upset with us or to be sad. We do this because we're watching over your souls that you guys may know the truth. Okay, because when I was you guys' age, I can tell you there was nothing more important than rap music. There was nothing more important than hanging out with girls and making sure I wore the clothes that everyone else wore. That wears thin. That gets old. And I wish that I had listened to some of my family that told me, don't waste your time on these things. Stick with the Lord, okay, and do the things that he says. And I could have avoided a lot of pain and hurt in my life had I just listened. If I would have just listened to them, I wouldn't have had a lot of trouble that I ended up going through. But, you know, in some ways, I'm glad I did because the Lord was with me. He showed me all these times. But if you guys can avoid this ahead of time, please do. Hearken unto wisdom, unto what things the people are telling you, because it's going to help in the long run. Some roads you don't want to go down, and there's some chapters in your life you don't need to have open. You know, learn to stick with the Lord. So I want to get further down. I want to get down to, um, let's get to verse 20, or verse 19. And it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Jesus Christ depart from iniquity. Okay, so if we call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ, it says that the Lord knows that Lord knows them that are his. So what is iniquity? Anybody know? Iniquity is a oh somebody gonna say something? No? Okay. Iniquity is the very nature that is within us that we are born with, it naturally won't obey God. It will naturally go its own way. Like when Jesus said, remember, um, if you guys might, when he said, 
that any man, or um, it's that which is in a man that defileth a man, not that he, um, not that cometh out of a man. So when he, or that which cometh out of the man defileth the man, not that which is inside. Okay, because he's speaking of a nature. When people have problems with drugs and things like that, it's not the drugs that are the problem. It's the iniquity within the person that desires the drugs. Okay, so it begins from within. We like certain things because of what we're involved in, because of the iniquity that is within us. So God wants to change these things that we might serve him. So he says, but in a great house, so I think I'm here where he says, uh, yes, in verse uh, 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Okay, so I don't want this to jump over anyone's head here. When he speaks of vessels of gold and some things to honor and dishonor, dishonor, he's talking about worldly things. He's talking about the things that we think are so important in our lives. You know, having the best shoes, the best clothes, like I said, the best cars, the best music. This worldly stuff that he's saying that if we will purge ourselves of some of these things, we will be vessels fit to God unto every good work. Okay, so then he says, if a, uh, verse 22, here's the problem, guys. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, which is that agape love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So remember, one of the things that we talked about was prayer. When you come before the Lord out of a pure heart and you really hate the things that you might do, this is a way of calling on the Lord so that he can help take things from us. But the problem here is youthful lust. The things that we are born with, that we grow up with. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you have 40, 50-year-old men still dealing with this. You've got, like, you know, 50, 60-year-old men playing video games still. And I'm not saying anything about the games, but you mean to say there's nothing more important in life to you than this? Have you guys ever seen older men with their hats on backwards, pants hanging, still talking like thugs, still thinking that they're teenagers? This is the kind of youthful lust that the Lord is telling us to escape because it arrests us in our development. Okay, so the problem is youthful lust. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God, um, perhaps, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So what I'm sharing with you guys now is the truth and hope that, you know, these words may have some weight. But I know that for many, there's, there's youthful lust in the midst. And these things have to be worked out of us. You're not going to be able to change overnight, but it's just one step at a time. The closer we draw to Jesus and we have a relationship with him, he changes things within us. So he says, and this is why, look at verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. 
So you see, these things are to deliver us from the world, from the snares, from the tricks of the enemy that try and keep us away from Jesus. So does anyone have any questions so far on uh, anything that I've said that they may not understand? No. Even? Anyone? No? All right. So, you know, youthful lusts are, are a big issue, and it's something that we need to deal with. So let's look at Luke 2. Let's look at the master, Luke chapter 2, and let's look at verse 40. is our example for everything that we deal with in life. So it is important that we even look at him even when he was young. Okay, so this is Luke 2. Let's look at verse 40. And it says, And the child grew, who was Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So Jesus is 12. He's walking with his parents. They go into the feast. And when they have fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. So Jesus was walking with his parents. He left them, you know, and he just went his own way. Now, I'm not saying that's a good example, but... This is how, how uh, serious Jesus was about fulfilling his parents' mission. He didn't even tell them where he was. He just took off. All right, so it says in 44, But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So can you guys imagine a 12-year-old kid in the middle of all these doctors and these scribes and people that, you know, were considered very learned in the Bible, that he's sitting amongst them and he's talking to them, he's discussing things with them, and he's talking about, you know, maybe even teaching at that same time. But this is when they talked about him being waxed strong in spirit. But he was continuing to go out and speak to people about the Lord. So then it says, um, let's see, all right, uh, verse 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. So she's letting him know, hey, how could you leave? We're looking for you. You know, we're worried about you. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? How is it that you went looking for me? Wist not, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So you see, Jesus never took anything for granted in his life, even at the age of 12, the calling was on his life. And I can tell you, like when I was you guys' age, I remember writing a lot of things down when I was younger. I don't know why I would get into the Bible and get into scriptures and all these things concerning God. And I mean, he would really speak to me. 
where I, I know that many of these thoughts weren't mine, but I also remember around that time things began to change where I got fully involved in sports, I got involved with worldly stuff, and it kind of took my eyes away from God. Okay, so I remember going through uh, long stages of my life involved in all sorts of trouble. I mean, there came a point when I was home and, you know, I got into an argument with a friend of mine and we were actually going to brawl. We were going to get into a fight. Well, someone called the cops on me and told them that, you know, I was making all these all this noise and, you know, they were ready to throw me in jail. And I remember as they got ready to, there was a woman that came and said, no, he wasn't doing anything but talking to the person. He was arguing. Everything was fine. But I even recognized that the Lord had his hands on me then when I could have gone to jail with something that I shouldn't have been involved in. So what I'm, what I'm trying to explain to everyone here is God has his hands on you. If the devil hasn't had a way with you yet, it is only because God's grace is upon you. So we can't take these things for granted because I grew up in areas where, you know, there were friends of mine that tried drugs that were bound for college to do good things. And he thought by one night he was going to smoke a little weed with his friends and, you know, everything was going to be fine. Well, somebody put something in the weed that he was smoking. And when I see him now, he's walking around the streets uh, out of his mind, talking to himself you know, not doing well. But see, this was all a kid who was bound for college, one of the smartest kids in our neighborhood, a ball player. But he just went and hung out with his boys one time, and that's what happened to him. So, you know, we can't afford to take things for granted in this life. We really do have to see things the way that God sees it. And I know, like, what I'm saying right now may not seem that important, but that's because you're not going through yet. But if you are, I'm telling you, now is a good time to seek the Lord and turn back. Because one thing about sin is, sin will keep you longer than you ever, it'll, it'll take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever were willing to stay. And it will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. That is so important that we understand because all it takes is to go off course the wrong time. And your life can change. So, you know, there are no such thing as small decisions in this life. Every decision you make is either to help redeem you or to destroy you. But there is no in-between. What you decide to do, I don't care if it's whether you know you should go home because your parents told you to or you're going to go and hang out with your friends. That decision right there can be detrimental to your lives. Okay, there were a lot of foolish things I did growing up in Brooklyn, hanging out in places I shouldn't have, gunshots going on, things happening, but the grace of God was on me. You don't want to live your life that way. You want to obey what God tells you to do. Because don't think, guys, that you're too young that you can be judged by the Lord. I, I was going to play a video today, but I don't know, maybe it wasn't a good idea to, but it was talking about Christians that will end up in hell, okay? And many of these Christians lived double lives. Many of them were um, in the world, and I mean, you know, some pastors will only read the word just for uh, information, but they didn't live it themselves. 
it was just a lot of stuff concerning this that I thought about playing it, but then when I saw the younger kids in here, I was like, no, nah, maybe not a good idea. But there were people that were 12 years old and, and 12 to 14 that this man saw in a vision that he died and came back to life that were in hell. Because the Bible made clear that if you know, if you know what right and wrong is, you can be judged. So don't think because you're young that, that these things can't come upon you. It is important that if we know what is right, that we walk in, in ways that are right. And like I said, because I know you guys are young, it's not going to really fall on a lot right now. But hopefully one day you'll remember what Miriam said. You'll remember what other teachers in here have said in critical moments of your life. This is just so important that we understand what it is to walk with the Lord. And that every decision you make is either going to help you or it's going to hinder you. There were girls 15, 16 years old with babies that they never wanted to have because they opened chapters in their lives they shouldn't have been. When your mom told you leave that boy alone and go on and do whatever, you thought by seeing this guy behind your mom's back that everything was going to be cool. Now you've got a baby for at least 20 years that you've got to take care of. So these are things that God wants us to be careful with. He wants us to do the right things because, you know, every decision we make can cost you. It's going to cost you something good or bad. So does anyone have any questions? Let's go to first. Yeah. Is the video on YouTube? Yes, it's on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, it's called Christians That Are In Hell. And I'll tell you what, even as a, a minister, that video sobered me up. I mean, because I was someone that I would get into the Word, I would try and live my life with the Lord as best as I could. But man, when I saw that video, and, and he talked about all the people that he saw in hell, I mean, it was just something that made me not want to play around anymore. It made me get serious. This was a few years ago. And even though I was ministering and I knew the truth, that there were still areas in my life that I was struggling and working out. But after seeing that, even if I'm not aware of certain sins that I committed in my life, I still get down on my knees at some point during the day. Lord, forgive me. You know, Lord, thank you for what you've done and shown me. Yes, Mary? Um, maybe one thing that I could use benefit from is if you talk more about that. How is it? A, how is it that a Christian can live two lives mm -hmm. and not feel the guilt or the shame? Mm -hmm. And why is it that we struggle in that way? Mm -hmm. I think part of why we do struggle that way is because we have an old sin nature, you know, that we inherited from Adam. Your flesh, your flesh is never going to like Jesus. I'm just telling you that right now so that you know it. You have to train your flesh to live a disciplined life after Christ. Why people live double lives, and, and I think honestly what happened for me was because I went to a church when I was younger that on Sundays, everybody was religious, everybody was dressed up, everybody was hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. But, you know, Saturday through, <laughs> you know, uh, Monday through Saturday, they live like the world. So I think in many cases what causes a lot of people to live double lives is they have examples of it from people that they know that proclaim to be Christians. Okay? And, and I'm not saying that's the only reason, 
but that's one of them. Like very few people actually meet people that live their lives in total accordance with what God's word says. That's something that we have to work through. But the Bible speaks many times, like in Ephesians 4, that we have an old man. The old man is none other than Adam that we grew up with. And Adam feeds on the world. Adam loves the world. Adam loves everything that is against Jesus. So when we decide to pursue Jesus, it's usually a feeling in the heart that we get that God has made himself real to me. I know that this is right. I see the error in my ways. I see where I've been wrong, and I want to live right for him. And that's something that nobody can take you to. That's a decision that you have to be conscious of yourself. But one thing you'll know is that your old nature will only feed on the world. It does not like Jesus. I mean, in many cases when you're young, you have a mental ascension to loving Jesus. But in many ways, I thought I did too. And I thought I was a Christian for a long time, but I really didn't know him. You know, I didn't know him until I reached certain areas of my life where I knew my old tricks, my old ways, the things that I've said, the way that I've lived, it's not helping me. I'm in a, I'm in a hopeless situation right now. I don't know why, even though I've gone to Wall Street and I've made all this money, I've done all these things in my life, but there's still something here. There's still a void in my spirit that is calling out for more. I mean, ask yourself this, guys. How can someone be a celebrity and make all those millions of dollars? Even if you're a basketball player, you go there and, I mean, you practice day and night until you reach the pros. How do you go from there to going and getting hooked on drugs? How do you go from there to wanting to commit suicide and ending up in jail and doing other things? Because there's a void in your life that only God can fill. Man is made of three parts. He is body, soul, and spirit. The, the two that we are most conscious of is body and soul. Okay, your body is the house that you live in. Like, I'm looking at everybody now, but I've never really seen the real you. I only see the house that you live in. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, so if you look at this, guys, it's like a chain link. You have the, the body here, you have the soul in the middle, and you have the spirit over here. Okay, the spirit is the place where we worship God. But the soul is neutral. The soul is just your mind, just the way you think, your will, the things that you decide to do and not do, and your emotions, where we cry, where we might get angry. That's where everything is in the soul. You have the flesh over here trying to pull the soul to do what it wants it to do, which is contrary to God. And then we have the spirit, which is the place that God meets with us and communes with us that is trying to pull the soul towards it. Okay, so when we're unsaved and when we're weak in faith, in many cases, we are led by the flesh. Okay, the soul is just going wherever the flesh is. It takes to know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him for the spirit of you to wake up and decide to train the soul to go the other direction. And that is really the walk of a Christian. That is what a Christian goes through every day. That's how you can say, man, when I leave here, I'm doing everything right. Then in the middle of that week, you find yourself watching something wrong. And you're like, man, how did I get from here to over there? Because you ended up here because you're not feeding the spirit, which will um, strengthen the soul to go its way. 
you're feeding the flesh, which makes the soul go towards the world. And that's how a person can live a double life. To be honest with you, many um, Christians, when they're learning and growing, will live somewhat of a double life because you're trying to figure things out. I'm not saying it's an excuse to live a double life. I'm just saying I understand the fight and the wars that you guys go through because it is the soul and the spirit. The devil wants to pull on your flesh to pull your soul, and God is trying through every way possible, speaking to us, giving us teachers, you know, putting us in the right places that we might find Christ. Okay, so that's the war of a Christian's life. So that's what hurts us at times when we're not feeding the spirit. You know what it's like when you get ready to pray and all of a sudden you're ready to go to bed. You try and read the Bible and you get sleepy. That's because your flesh is stronger than your spirit. So what do we need to do? Even when I'm tired sometimes, let me try and read through to this chapter. Let me stay down a little bit longer and pray a little bit more until you train yourself or you train your, your um, flesh to obey the spirit. Your, your soul is only going to do what you want to do. So it's up to you in having a relationship with Christ and letting Jesus Christ control your life. Give him the wheel. And that's why the first two stages in becoming a Christian, the Bible makes clear. Yes, you do open your heart to Jesus. You ask him to come in. You ask him to take over. But if you read Romans uh, 12 and 1, it says, Now we beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So no one can make you serve Jesus. That has to be a place that you come to where you say, you know what, I'm going to present my body to the Lord and I'm going to give him the will. The second is that when he says, don't be conformed, don't be changed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so you first have to present your body to the Lord, ask him to take it over, and then you won't, don't allow yourself to be conformed. Once you make a decision to follow the Lord, there's certain things you shouldn't be feeding the old man. Okay, you should be trying to feed the new man what God wants that you might grow. Okay, in faith. Any questions, guys? You got a question? Did he raise his hand? Or? Oh, oh, okay. All right. So, you know, that's all a part of a Christian's disciplined life is to find Jesus Christ. And I know that sounds hard to believe that the things of this world, the only purpose why many of them are there is to take you away from him. That's how serious it is. And I'll tell you something else. When you're in the flesh, the devil's world is fun. I mean, compared to Jesus Christ, it's like no contest. If you ever notice in the Garden of Eden, God told them, he says, guys, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. God was up front. He was very honest. He filled them with his spirit. And he just said, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not good for you. But what did the devil tell Eve? He said, you shall be as gods. He said, man, you won't die. So he sounded like the nicer person. He sounded like the one that, man, I could have some real fun with him. If I hang out with this guy, I'll be like a god. I'll be able to not die and do all these things. 
You want to know something funny about that story? Just to show you how crafty the devil is, he offered them three things that they already had. They wouldn't die because they were already immortal. God's life was already in them. He said, be like God. God said that they were good. That Adam was made in the image of God, Adam and Eve. So they were like God. But you see, what he got them to do is not focus on God and focus on themselves. And in doing so, they took their eyes off of the tree of life, which is Jesus, which is the only thing that matters. And they, they wanted to go after knowledge of good and evil. See, that tree wasn't just a tree of evil. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there would be things on there that would be beneficial, I guess, to your flesh that would be somewhat, you know, fun, exciting, you know, um, fills you full of pride. But in the end, it took you away from life. All we need is Christ to get through life. But we hang on so many other things that are non-productive. So I do want to go two places. Um, I want to go to Ecclesiastes 11. If anyone has any questions, please um, ask, okay? Even if it's not with what we're talking about right now. Yes? Um, what was the other two things? Um, about prayer? No. Uh, you said, um, you said. Oh, Adam and Eve? Yeah. Okay, one, he told them they wouldn't die. He told them that they would be as gods. And he says, your eyes will be open to know good and evil. You know, so they didn't need to know good and evil. All they needed was God. And you see, that's the very thing that he tempted Adam and Eve with. Is the same thing the devil tempted Jesus with in the wilderness. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he offered them the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Which the Bible tells us to stay clear of. Yes. The, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, I did a teaching on this, and I want to say this right so that I won't say this wrong, but I believe in some ways they were trees, but not actually trees. Like, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a teaching that I did before, but it talks about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I believe that that tree was Satan. Okay, I don't believe that it was, and, and I believe the tree of life was Jesus Christ. I believe that when the enemy fell, that God had to give us choices of, are you going to serve me or are you going to serve him? Okay, so it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But there are a lot of points that I use to prove that point. Um, with, the, with the teacher, study uh, Ezekiel 31 in your spare time. And it's going to explain to you what that tree was. Okay, so it's Ezekiel 31. It will actually tell you that this particular tree that was in the Garden of Eden pushed himself above all, thought that he was more than God made him out to be, and there was none other like him. And if you compare that with Ezekiel 28, when it says that uh, Lucifer was perfect in wisdom and in beauty, okay, there was no creation like him, you know, until uh, the Lord came unto us. But the point is, is that that tree was symbolic for that which is against God. So it's, it's like this. Let's just say I have a motive. I have a plan to turn some of you in here against others in here. So I go to you, and I'll just buy you guys new clothes, and I'll give you money, and I'll tell you all these things. But I want you guys to like me, okay? So you're benefiting from some of the things that I'm doing to you, 
But now I'm going to fill your head with what I want you to know that is opposite of what God tells you. So you see, there's some nice or good things that you call yourself doing, but they're not really beneficial to you. Because all I'm doing is taking you away from the tree of life. Okay, if they are the tree of life here and I'm just, yeah, let's go to a baseball game. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Hey, let me show you how to work out and get your body looking right so you can be athletic. Now, you see, that that seems beneficial, but it has nothing to do with the tree of life. Jesus Christ is our life source. So you see, when you got inspiration from things outside of Jesus, what you find yourself doing is walking away from him. So the, the whole goal is to stay with Jesus no matter what and forsake many of the things that are in the world. All right. Any other questions? Did I answer your question? Okay. Just making sure. Yes. Um, thank you. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Can anybody? Why did he make the tree of knowledge and the well, he didn't, uh, he didn't make it. The tree existed, okay? He made that tree to be good. You notice how Jesus says that with people in the world, you will know them by their fruit? So in many ways, we are trees also in God's garden. He says for those who bring forth good fruit, they will be, um, you know, good trees. But if they bring forth evil fruit, then they will be evil trees. So God always refers to us in many ways as trees. So he made Lucifer, who I believe is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like I said, um, Ezekiel 31 ties all that together in Ezekiel 28. But the point is, is that um, that tree existed now because God gave that tree a free will. Okay, God is not a controller and he doesn't dominate your life. He doesn't make you do what he wants you to do. If God made you do what he wants you to do, that would make God evil. So God loves you, and he gives you a free will, and he watches you, and he puts his hands on you, and he encourages you to come in and to serve him, but God will not override your free will. So just how you might be good right now, and you might be serving Jesus, you can easily have the free will to say, you know what, I don't want to serve Jesus anymore, I'm going my own way. So that would make that tree that was once good, evil. Does that make any sense? Okay, so it's always with your free will. We have to be a free will offering to God. No one can offer you up. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. He cursed the fig tree because the, the fig tree was symbolic, even though he, he did it. But he cursed the fig tree because the fig tree was symbolic for us or trees. Like, in other words, remember what it says in that verse where he mentions that Jesus looked for food on the tree, but when he saw that the tree bared no fruit or no figs, he cursed the tree that it will never have um, fruit on it or figs on it again. So that was a type of judgment, what Jesus is going to do in the end times, when he doesn't see the fruit that, that should be on us. If we don't bear the image of God or have those peaceable fruit that he gives us, then we are in some ways cursed forever because we won't be with Jesus. Now, of course, he gives us a lifetime to do this, but the only problem is you don't know when your last day will be. And that's why it's important that we learn to live every day for Jesus, you know, because you never know. Once you die, you slip off into eternity. 
And what you believe is what's going to determine what side of eternity you're on. Whether it's in heaven or in hell. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. I want to uh, go to one point here, Ecclesiastes uh, 11. Okay, let's look at this. Ecclesiastes 11. Let's look at verse 1. So it says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for those, that, for those shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not evil of what evil shall be upon the earth. All right, actually, I wanted to get a little further down. All right, I want to start at verse 6. Uh, matter of fact, let's start at verse... Five, Okay, look at verse 5, and it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So he was saying just how it's a mystery that when women are pregnant or, you know, kids are growing in the womb, and just how we don't really know that, he was saying, you know, in many ways, so are the ways of God. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening uh, withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. So what he's saying here is that even when a man gets old in life, let him remember the things that God wants him to do, okay, and continue. When it says all is vanity, now we know vanity to be pride. When someone likes to look at themselves in the mirror and only take care of themselves, we call them vain. But the Bible has an even deeper meaning. It means like vapor or breath. So Solomon wrote 12 chapters in this, in this uh, book of Ecclesiastes to tell us that, you know, like on cold days, you guys may breathe out and you see your breath just come and then it just disappears. Well, he's saying that that's what vanity is. So many of the things that we do in this life, aside from Jesus, is vanity. It really holds no weight whatsoever. It's really nothing that profits us. You know, it's not something that will endure and go on with God. So anything that is not of God really is a waste of your time in many ways. I'll give you an example. Do you think by whatever degree you get that when you stand before the Lord, if you weren't living right for him, do you think he cares about those credentials that you have? Do you think God cares about how much money you got? Do you think God cares about, you know, um, whether or not you were married? Okay, because in heaven, if you're married, your husband and wife are going to be brother and sister. So you see, even in heaven, brother and sister in the Lord, but even in heaven, there is no marriage. And, and then even for your parents, guys, they are going to be your brother and sister in the Lord. It's not going to be parents. So as you can see, on the other side of things... Nothing endures except knowing Jesus Christ. Okay, so you can go out and do anything you want in this life, and it can mean absolutely nothing. Imagine standing before the Lord, but Lord, 
I made all this money, and you know, I, I did all of this, and I have a doctorate degree, and you can see I, I wear the nicest things and all of that, but the Lord will say, what does that mean to me? You know, so it's important that we understand, and that's why Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, what does it profit a man? What profit is it to a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, Paul says the things that are eternal are the things that are invisible, okay? The things that we can't see that are in the spirit realm, but the things that are temporal, just a moment in time, those are the things that we see right now, you know? How many people got married and got divorced? How many people have, you know, cars and they ended up repossessed? You have a house and it foreclosed. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but what I'm saying is the only thing that will endure is your relationship with Jesus and what God's word says. Okay, so he says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. So it's talking to you guys. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. So even being young, even being ignorant of some things, things that you don't understand, I'm not saying that God will, you know, hold you accountable fully for these things. But if you know right and wrong, that even while you're young and playing and having fun, even while you're being cool and doing what you want to do, these things will be brought into judgment. So, you know, once we reach the age of accountability, it is important that we recognize everything that we do, God sees. You know, and then he says, therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. So when we talk about childhood and youth, these things are vain also. So yeah, you might have your time to play and do what you want, but the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 13, he says that when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I did all these things as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So there is a point where God wants us to grow so we won't fall. Yes? The age that you know right from wrong. Like, in other words, if your parents tell you it's not cool to do drugs or do whatever, and you go beyond that and you do it, you're accountable because you know. Now, if you don't know, you know, the age of accountability can be 25. There are a lot of people that aren't saved that don't know the ways of Jesus Christ, and they were raised by two parents that might have been atheists that don't believe in God. Okay, but if they get to the point of someone telling them at 25, hey, you need to know Jesus, you need to read his word, you need to understand him or get to know him. If you accept it, you're accountable. If you reject it, you're accountable. Because once the truth is presented to you, then you have a responsibility to seek change. Okay? Anybody else have anything? All right, I'm just going to conclude here with the last chapter. This is Ecclesiastes 12. I'll let you guys go. So he says, this is uh, verse 5. This is Solomon talking about when someone is at the end of their lives, when they've lived their lives as much as they could and did everything that they wanted to. Now this is the end for the person, okay? A person is pondering their lives and recognizing 
what have I done in my life? So it says, also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire uh, shall fail, because man goeth to his home, I mean to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. So it's saying this is the person at their end. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl broken, uh, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. So let me explain this to you guys about this silver cord. There are people that deal in the occult realm that understand this, but the silver cord, there is a link to your soul and spirit, to your body. Okay? There's a link to this. So he's talking about when this cord breaks, when you go off into eternity with God, okay, that, you know, you're pretty much dead when your silver cord breaks. That's God pulling you back to him. So he says in verse 7, They shall the dust return to the earth as it was. So that means you die, and you know when we die, we return back to the dust. And it says, And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. So everything in this life aside from Jesus Christ is worthless. That doesn't mean don't go to school. That doesn't mean don't get a degree. That doesn't mean, you know, enjoy some things in this life. But what he's saying is, if you know not God, then all these things are for nothing. They're all vague. He says, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, uh, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed, and he sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find the acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even unto the truth. So let's look at uh, verse 13. So I said all of this to you guys today just to tell you this one thing in verse 13. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So this is not part of the duty of man. This is not some of the duty of man. This is the whole duty of man that we learn to fear God and to keep his commandments. You know, there are three ways, three things I think we knew we need to do to walk with the Lord. One is you need to fear the Lord. I know we talk about love in here. Yes, love the Lord, but we also learn to fear the Lord and to obey the Lord. And if we don't have righteous fear towards the Lord then we won't obey him, then we won't love him. So these are things that are necessary that we learn to fear the Lord. Fear, love, and obedience are the things that God looks forward to so that we can grow. So it says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Okay, so there are things in this life that we just can't take for granted. I know you guys have youthful lust, you got a lot of excitement, you got a lot of fun and expectations in life. All I'm asking and all we're asking is that you, that you keep a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let anything be more important than your relationship with him. So hopefully these words may not mean a whole lot now, but one day, you know, maybe in the future, you guys will have to make decisions, go through things and think about what to do. Just remember... The tree of life is all that matters, which is Christ. Everything else is secondary.
All right, so I just want to tell you guys with that, I'm not sure if I've touched on anything that you guys might be struggling with or want to know about or what, but that's what the Spirit spoke to me, so that's what I'm telling you guys. And I just want to tell you all, I love you, and let's just understand what it is to serve the Lord. Okay, that is the single most important thing in our lives. Everything else is a waste of your time. So if there are any questions, I'll be happy to answer. If not, then I guess we can go out in prayer. Any questions? Uh, yeah. How does a Christian turn into, how does a Christian go to hell if they were a Christian? Well, good question. The thing here is that what he meant to say in that video was, self-proclaiming Christians, okay, people that will call themselves Christians but not live like Christians, okay, so a lot of people think they're Christians, but they couldn't tell you two things that, that Jesus sense? said sorry, to do, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. Continue. sorry, oh, yeah, so they claim to be Christians, but they're not really Christians, you know, they live two lives, they're in the world, and then they're trying to serve God whenever they can, so, that's not even enough for God. But guys, what I'm saying is, you're not going to be perfect, but we're going to grow in grace. Every day, you're going to get more mature. You're going to get smarter. Your relationship with the Lord will grow deeper. And then, you know, little by little, he'll take the things of the world out of you that you can pursue him. So. Um, yeah, like, doesn't it say in the Bible that, like, not everyone that says the Lord born will That's right. That's right. That's a great point. That's Matthew 7 and 21. Jesus said, not everyone would say unto me, Lord, Lord, you know, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But what does he say? But him that doeth the will of God will abide forever. Okay. That will make it into the kingdom. Those who do, those who do the will of God. But that's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. When he was uh, talking about the trees. The trees. Um, you mean like uh, Genesis 3? That's where it begins. And then there is uh, Ezekiel 28 and Ezekiel 31. Okay. Oh, yeah, Ezekiel chapter 28 and Ezekiel uh, chapter 31. Yes. How do you get dreams from God? How do you get dreams from God? Well, a lot of people don't tell you this, but when you sleep, you go into the spirit realm. Okay, that's not that's not your subconscious. You're actually in the spirit realm. So dreams are ways that God communes with us. The closer we draw in relationship with him, there may be something he'll want to show you. He's been showing me a lot, but, you know, it's just I notice that when I'm living a disciplined life after him and I'm spending more time with him, God is your friend. He wants to share things with you like your friends do. So if God can trust you and you have that relationship with him, He's going to say, hey, let me show you something tonight. Uh, there's a guy named Henry Groover. You guys should look him up. I met him a few times, and I, I speak to him when I can. But he said that one day he had a dream, or he um, prayed to the Lord that he would, um, he was like, Lord, before you roll up the heavens, because he read that part, before God rolls up the heavens and the earth and starts over, he said, Lord, will you take me through that I might see the heavens? Okay, and he was a young kid. He was eight years old when he asked the Lord this. So one day he was in a church, and he was um, ministering, like he was speaking to the people. At this point, he's 70 years old, okay? And he said he heard the Lord tell him, he said, Henry, let me show you 
the heavens that you wanted to see. And he said, while he was standing there, the Lord was, you know, took him up and gave him a vision and showed him what was there. He said he had tears coming from his eyes because he thought the Lord had forgotten what he asked the Lord all those years ago. So you can have a special relationship like that with the Lord where he can show you things that he wouldn't show anyone else. That all comes with relationship. Like, you mean like, like sleep paralysis? Yeah, they um, they claim that you know there is something like it can be something that is not right, that is another spirit. That you know, in many cases, you pray to the Lord and it'll go away. Okay, but yes, that that can happen. Anyone else? Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, you guys got something from this because, you know, I came here on behalf of Miriam. I also wanted to see you guys again. She cares a lot about you as an elder, and she wants you guys to receive the truth and have understanding. Listen to your teachers, guys, because they watch over your souls. So hopefully everyone's got something from this. But, I, you know, I couldn't wait to come and talk to you guys. All right, let's pray out. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. For my brothers and sisters in the Lord, that you've given us, that we all might be edified in your word, that we all might be taken care of, that we may be all transformed into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we just give our message to you. Lord, I pray over every person in this world, whatever it is that they might be struggling with, whatever it is that they're going through, I pray in Jesus' name that you find it. That you set them free, that you watch over these children as they go to the throne. And I pray, Lord, that these kids reach their full potential in you. I pray, Lord, that you just keep your hands upon them as they go to school, as they go home. I pray over these parents, Lord, that they may tell the children the right things in life. And I pray that you can live in the spirit of them. I pray, Lord, that you open up your heavens and that you pour out a blessing. I pray that you anoint everyone present with the Holy Spirit, that we may have you commune with you and walk with you, that we may have the fear of the Lord, that we may do all those things that you call us to. So, Lord, if there's anyone here struggling with their bills, struggling with school, struggling with outside influences, Lord, I pray that you cover them in your full armor that you may give them all that is necessary that they be born in your world. I pray that they become young, strong men, young, strong women, respectable in society, walking in the ways that you want them to, no matter what Lord, we just pray that you are the king of things, that you are the Lord of those, that you are faithful, just, and true.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.